0: Doomsday Impersonation The basis for our study is found in Scripture, Ephesians 6, verses 11 to 17. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, Taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we see uh, apostasy making inroads, Within thy true church. O oh Lord, we pray that thou wilt especially bless in this presentation to awaken our minds. For we ask it in thy name. Amen. What an exciting time to be alive! It's like the last inning in a ball game, the score is all tied up. It's like the last few seconds of a football game. Perhaps it's the final match in the Rose Bowl. Third down, 2 yards to go, and the score 7 to 7. But wait, there's a fumble. The stakes are very high. A trophy soon to be forgotten? A grudge? Of many years to be settled ten thousand dollars given extra to each winning player forget it this is peanuts what I'm talking about is for real the excitement permeates the air the heart pounds the tension is agonizing Every nerve and muscle is stretched to the limit. The final moment, the climax, has come. I'm talking about a life and death struggle. And you are the participant. In fact, we all are. And from the bleachers, every eye in the universe... Is upon us and there is no second chance it's win or lose your coach signals the final play do you have the faith to believe that his plan will win you see some of your buddies around you claim to have a better idea And so, it's all up to you. Now, what's my basis for painting such a picture? Because all the necessary predicted ingredients of the coming crisis is developing before our very eyes. And God says, Behold, I come quickly. And God's last-day prophet declares, the last movements will be rapid ones. And Jesus gives us this warning found in Matthew 24, 23. If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs, and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chamber. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Will you be able to stand... This coming final test, when you come face to face with the mob, you know, there's nothing I'm more afraid of than a mob. I was in Vietnam during the war, and I've seen bombs destroy millions of dollars worth of planes, for they were all aflame. And I've seen the wounded. And I've smelled the stench of burning human flesh. But such is nothing in my mind compared to being caught in a mob. I remember I was in the great city of Santiago, Chile. The division embassy secretary and I were walking down a street in search of a place to eat. When just ahead from the side street came a mob of several hundred. We looked where to turn and we saw the tanks coming up the street in back of us. In desperation, we tried a door and providentially found it unlocked. We entered and closed the door and locked it and ran up the stairs. At the top We looked out of an open window and saw the the water tanks, with their tremendous pressure, hit the mob where we had just been, knocking them down and rolling them along in the front of the tank, rolling like logs. I'm sure many a bone was broken. And then the tear gas came up through the window, affecting my vision so that I could see no longer. Believe me, one never knows what a mob will do. What are you going to do when persecutions come your way and you can't buy nor sell and your children are hungry? And then you find yourself standing before a wicked judge who's accustomed to accepting bribes. But this is not God's way. You find yourself faced with apostate church members, maybe even your pastor. You find yourself charged with treason by both your church and the state. In fact, everyone is united against you. And then to top it all, You find yourself surrounded with fantastic miracles which are produced to show that you are wrong. And then suddenly, the climatic moment comes when you find yourself face to face with the devil. Volume 5, page 698. He will bear the appearance of Christ in every particular. Message to young people, 61. He will work marvels in your sight. Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 471. Disguised as an angel of light, he will walk the earth as a wonder worker. In beautiful language, he will present lofty sentiments. Good words will be spoken by him. Good deeds performed. Christ will be personified. What will you do then? For this is the crowning act. I'm reading Great Controversy 624. Satan himself will personate Christ in different parts of the earth. Satan will manifest himself among men as a majestic being of dazzling brightness resembling the description of the Son of God given by the revelator John. The glory that surrounds him is unsurpassed by anything that mortal eyes have ever beheld. Shouts of triumph ring out upon the air. Christ has come. The people prostrate themselves in adoration before him while he lifts up his hand and pronounces a blessing upon them as Christ blessed his disciples when he was here upon the earth. His voice is soft and subdued, yet full of melody. In gentle, compassionate tones he presents some of the same gracious, heavenly truths which the Savior uttered. May I digress here? Can you hear the devil repeating the Beatitudes? Think of it. And then, and I continue to read, he heals the diseases of the people. Can you imagine watching in amazement as cancerous growths disappear before your very eyes and you see cripples jump and run for joy? If you have not put on the whole armor of God and if you are not grounded in the truth, what will you do? God's word tells us in 2nd Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14 no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works believe me these ministers of Satan outwardly will act, teach, and reveal everything in your sight that you would expect to be found in the righteousness of Christ. But this is not all, for the overmastering delusion comes when Satan, surrounded by his so-called righteous ministers, and I'm reading, Great controversy 624, he claims to have changed the Sabbath to Sunday and commands all to hallow the day he has blessed. He declares that those who persist in keeping the holy seventh day are blaspheming his name by refusing to listen to his angels sent to them with light and truth. Great controversy 6:25 quote "You will hear his blessing is pronounced upon the worshipers of the beast and his image, The very class upon which the Bible declares that God's unmingled wrath shall be poured out. So great will be Satan's deceptions that millions will give up the truth. Ellen White speaks of this in Bible Commentary 7, page 911. The church may appear as about to fall but it doesn't fall. The sinners in Zion will be sifted out. The chaff separated from the precious wheat. This is a terrible ordeal, but nevertheless, it must take place. How can this be? Because so few Seventh-day Adventists are taking the time to study for themselves. They are satisfied to believe whatever their preacher says. But the day is coming when they will have to stand alone. They will become bewildered, confused, and confronted with doubt. I am in constant touch with our members scattered across this great continent by letter and telephone do you know what I detect I find that the majority are stating these days don't talk anymore about prophecy it's so discouraging don't preach about the law we're tired of this legalism And we don't want to hear any more about doctrines. All we want is to hear about Jesus. Jesus. Love. Love. And unity. Let me tell you, friend. I love to preach about the love of my Savior. And the next following six tapes are going to be sermons that are completely about the sacrifice of God. But let me tell you, if the individuals who want only to hear about love are soon going to be found in a big surprise, let me tell you what you will find in the average church. Many know nothing of the 2300 day prophecy, they couldn't explain Daniel 7 if their life depended on it. And when the third or the three angels' messages is mentioned, they believe this to be some outmoded cliché, something the Church faced years ago, but it means nothing today. And there are so many who have never even heard a sermon on Revelation 17. It's so disappointing to realize that they don't even want to hear about these truths. And when you quote his deadly wound is healed they haven't the slightest idea of what you are talking about. And more and more I'm hearing the expression so often our church is no different than any of the other churches. We must join with them if we are to gain their favor. Such have never considered the fact that divine unity can be obtained only by a unity in doctrine. When believers agree in unity, Of the same truth, these are truly God's remnant. God is not interested in unity such as found in a social club where they all shower affection upon each other. The truth is, today our church is facing a second Baal Peor, Just as God's people are about to cross over Jordan into the promised land, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites of old began to get an ecumenical idea in relation to the Babylonian people that surrounded them. Let me describe for you what took place. Their armies had just returned from Basham victoriously. They were conquering valuable territory. Only the Jordan River lay between them and the Promised Land. They could actually see the area of Jerusalem surrounded by, I'm sorry, the area of Jericho surrounded by rich plains and valleys covered with an abundance of fruits and vineyards. Amid these attractive surroundings, Satan had an evil encounter lurking, which was more deadly than a host of a great army. They were surrounded by Baal worshippers who lived in licentiousness and idolatry it didn't take much time for their ecumenical spirit to bear fruit. Mendonitish women began to infiltrate the camp of Israel. Even Moses paid no attention. Well, let me read it. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 453. It was the object of these women in their association with the Hebrews to seduce them into transgression of the law of god to draw their attention to heathen rites and customs and lead them into idolatry these motives were studiously concealed under the garb of friendship so that they were not suspected even by the guardians of the people At Balaam's suggestion, a grand festival in honor of their gods was appointed by the king of Moab. And it was secretly arranged that Balaam should induce the Israelites to attend. He was regarded by them as a prophet of God and hence had little difficulty in accomplishing his purpose. Great numbers of the people... "...joined him in witnessing these festivities. They ventured upon forbidden ground... ...and were entangled in the snare of Satan. Beguiled with music and dancing... ...and allured by the beauty of the heathen vestals... ...they cast off their fidelity to Jehovah... ...and they united in mirth and fasting. Indulgence in wine beclouded their senses and broke down the barriers of self-control. Passion had full sway and having defiled their consciousness by lewdness, they were persuaded to bow down to idols. They offered sacrifice upon heathen altars and participated in the most degrading rites and so today we're becoming entangled with Babylon as never before we're inviting highly regarded ministers of the churches of Babylon to associate with our people and to speak to us we are participating in their programs and inviting them to join with us in our programs before me are church bulletins announcing Easter sunrise services organized by the Seventh-day Adventist Church How happy Satan must be when he can bring the Babylonian pagan customs right into the remnant church. Now think it through. This is exactly how Baal Peor developed and which ended in the breakdown of morals. And we can see the same happening within our beloved church today for spiritual fornication always leads to physical immorality. And God had to visit judgments upon his church in which thousands perished back then. What a wake-up call for us today as we near heavenly Cana to find our church so obsessed in this ecumenical movement that will lead to tens and tens of thousands to eternal destruction. You have to be blind not to recognize this modern counterpart of Baal Peor developing right before our eyes. Here we are in the very end of time. And we are fraternizing with these falling, fallen churches. Even exchanging pulpits with them. Our theologians are studying in their universities. Absorbing Babylonian doctrines. And then bringing them back to God's true church. Exposing innocent people to the doctrines of devils. Polluting the flock of God. Already in some of our centers, abortions are not uncommon. Gross immorality and documented homosexuality are found in high places. Alcoholic beverages are common in our colleges and universities. All of these steps are leading to an end-time Baal Peor. Now, I'm not mentioning these facts to downgrade or to criticize my beloved Church, but only to emphasize that today we are on the antitypical banks of the Jordan, even as ancient Israel and probation is soon to close. Consider with me this quotation of what is about to take place just before probation closes. About a hundred years ago, a form of false belief surfaced in the Indiana Conference. Ellen White commented on this in Selected Messages 2, page 36. The things you have described as taking place in Indiana the Lord has shown me would take place just before the close of probation every uncouth thing will be demonstrated there will be shouting with drums music and dancing the scenes of rational beings will become so confused that they cannot be trusted to make right decisions. And this is called the moving of the Holy Spirit. Will you pardon me for digressing again? When I hear today of so many of our pastors encouraging the men of their church to attend the Promise Keepers, Little do many realize that some of these leaders are homosexuals. And I hear of men returning so hoarse from shouting all day long that they can't speak for a week. Let me continue reading. The Holy Spirit never reveals itself in such methods, such a bedlam of noise, This is an invitation of Satan to cover up his ingenious methods for making of none effect the pure, sincere, elevating, ennobling, sanctifying truth for this time. Better never have the worship of God blended with music than to use musical instruments to do the work which last January ...was represented to me... ...would be brought into our camp meetings. The truth for this time needs nothing of this kind... ...in its work of converting souls. A bedlam of noise shocks the senses... ...and perverts that which... ...if conducted aright might be a blessing. The power of satanic agencies... ...blend with the din... ...and the noise to have a carnival and this is termed the holy spirit's working oh i shall never forget my last visit to a camp meeting in central california where i visited the youth tent youth tent the music was nothing but rock music Oh, I plead many of you who have children, you ought to visit the youth tent and see what's going on. I'm reading again. Those things which have been in the past will be in the future. Satan will take music, will make music a snare by the way in which it is conducted. God calls upon his people to have the light before them in the word and in the testimonies to read and consider and to take heed clear and definite instructions have been given in order that we all may understand and notice this but the itching desire to originate something new Results in strange doctrines No encouragement should be given To this kind of a worship The same kind of influence Came in after the passing of the time in 1844 The same kind of representations were made Men became excited And they worked by a power Thought to be the power of God Did you notice that We can expect this to happen again. Shouting. The use of drums. Music. Dancing. Excitement. Just before the close of probation within our church. Some months ago I actually viewed a video... showing so-called holy dancing within one of our Adventist churches. And today, church hymnals are gradually being set aside in worship. A large screen up front displays the words so the audience can sway with the music, leaving the arms free to be uplifted as they do in the Pentecostal churches, and so they can clap. Doesn't this sound like a fulfillment of what I have just read in Selected Messages, page 36? Drums? I've not only seen them on the church platform, but I've heard their beat. And each time I hear such, the words come to my mind spoken by God's prophet that this would happen again just before the close of probation. Oh, this is such a sad condition. Listen, as I read in volume 9, page 97. Oh, that the people might know the time of their visitation. There are many who have not yet heard the testing truths for this time. There are many who with whom the Spirit of God is striving. The time of God's destructive judgments is the time of mercy for those who have had no opportunity to learn what is truth. Tenderly will the Lord look upon them. His heart of mercy is touched. His hand is still stretched out to save. While the door is closed to those who would not enter now this tells us something it tells us that the door of mercy will remain open to those who have not heard the full gospel while the door will be shut to church members who have refused to get ready and enter in through the open door what it says actually is this that the church members, many of them who are not ready, will shut the door in their own face. What a solemn thought. But this is in keeping with the scriptures. Peter tells us the judgment begins with the house of God, our probation closes before that of the world. In First Peter 4:17, the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And then the prophet Ezekiel teaches the very same thing. We find the sealing that began in the house of God Is the closing of probation For the people of God Those who have proved unfaithful Will be cut down by the man with the slaughtering weapon Notice This begins with the ancient men These are the church leaders In other words Probation closes for those Who have long known the truth Let me read Ezekiel 9 Beginning with verse 4 And the Lord said unto him Go through the midst of the city Through the midst of Jerusalem And set a mark upon the foreheads Of the men that sigh and cry For all the abominations that be done In the midst thereof Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were were before the house. I appeal to you, don't sleep peacefully day after day, without knowing that you have prepared your heart to meet your Lord. This is why I must preach positively with clarity. If I may borrow the words of Isaiah, I cry aloud and spare not. Now let me take you back to the question. What are you going to do when the final test comes. If you have been compromising. Following the leadership. In the ecumenical movement. If you now refuse to obey God. And separate. Yourselves. What will you do. When you can either buy or sell. For Satan himself. Claiming to be Christ declares he has changed the day from the seventh day to the first day Sunday. And all his ministers will agree with him. And I'm sorry to state including a large number of Seventh-day Adventist preachers who will have apostatized and joined with him. Now don't think for a moment that this will never happen because God says it will happen. God's prophet Ezekiel saw in a vision in which 25 men of the Jewish clergy stood in the very temple of God with their backs to the law of God facing the rising sun in the east worshipping the sun god of Baal what an abomination to the Lord God. Let me read it. Ezekiel 8:16. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they worshipped the Son. And let me tell you, this will happen again. In letter H31A of 1894, I read, The Lord reads the heart as an open book. The men who are not connected with God have done many things after the imagination of their own hearts. The Lord declares concerning them, They have turned unto me their backs and not their faces, though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction. We are amid the perils of the last days, and the time will soon come when the prophecy of Ezekiel 9 will be fulfilled to the very letter. Notice in this letter that the servant of God states that the men have turned their backs toward God and not their faces. This is exactly as it is described in Ezekiel 8 16, and it will be fulfilled to the very letter. So, we may expect the apostate Adventist preachers to openly encourage participation in the ecumenical movement, which has but one purpose to lead our church to someday worship on Sunday and receive the mark of the beast. In Review and Herald three, eighteen, eighty-four, are these words. The Lord has a controversy with his professed people. Notice that. He's talking about his people, the Seventh-day Adventists, with his professed people in the last days in this controversy men in responsible positions will take a course directly opposite to that pursued by Nehemiah they will not only ignore and despise the sabbath themselves but they will try to keep it from others by burying it beneath the rubbish of custom and traditions in churches and in large gatherings in the open air ministers will urge upon the people the necessity of keeping the first day of the week and then I read in Bible Commentary 7 page 985 there will be a removing of the landmarks and an attempt to tear down the pillars of our faith. A more decided effort will be made to exalt the false Sabbath and to cast contempt upon God himself by supplanting the day he has blessed and sanctified. This false Sabbath is to be enforced by an oppressive law. And so there you have it. The test will come not only from without but from within the church. And God has given us sufficient counsel whereby we can draw the line and know the difference between truth and error. Listen closely to this Paragraph found in Faith and Works, page 45. Satan has come down in these last days to work with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. His satanic majesty works miracles in the sight of false prophets and in the sight of men claiming that he is indeed Christ himself. Satan gives his power to those who are aiding him in his deceptions. Therefore, those who claim to have great power of God can only be discerned by the great detector, the law of Jehovah. The Lord tells us if it were possible they would deceive the very elect. The sheep's clothing seems so real, so genuine that the wolf can be discerned only as we go to God's great moral standard and there find that they are transgressors of the law of Jehovah. Let us pray. Oh God. Just ahead of us. Is a coming test of faith. So few of us seem to have any conception. Of its magnitude. But how we thank thee for the divine counsel. That in the law of God. We can find our defense. And be able to distinguish between truth and error. Oh God, help us to love thy law and to meditate upon it night and day in preparation for the coming test. And we ask this in the name of Jesus.
1: Amen. (music) Yes, Jesus is the truth.